Welcome to the Pants Cast, brought to you by Lululemon, a show about all things pants. My guest is Matt James, former NCAA player and Lululemon ABC pant enthusiast. Hi, great to be here. Matt, tell us all about those ABC pants. The comfort? They're like the pants I put on when I don't want to wear pants. Versatility? You could wear these pants to a wedding, but you could also wear these to a cookout. And what about style? They're like if casual and cool had a baby. Well, it's clear why you're an ABC enthusiast. Pleasure having you and your pants on the show. Thanks for having us. Find the shockingly comfortable ABC pants at lululemon.com. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. One plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. The story of Sandra Bland is one of the saddest of the Black Lives Matter era. In 2015, Sandra was in Texas with a new job when she got pulled over for not signaling a lane change by state trooper Brian Insinia, a routine stop that Sandra was complying with. Then Officer Insinia said, you seem very irritated. (laughs) Why does he care? Sandra says, yes, I'm irritated, you're stopping me, but you have every right to give me a ticket, so here we are. At the end of that, he says, are you done? (laughs) Which everyone knows is something you say when you're trying to get into a fight. And then, almost at the end of the traffic stop, he asks her to put out her cigarette, which she says, I don't have to, I'm in my own car. He reaches in and slaps her and then pulls her out of the car, wrestles her to the ground outside the area of his dashboard camera, and we hear Sandra say, you're breaking my arm. And Sinia charged her with assaulting a public servant and took her to jail, and they put her in solitary confinement. And on her third day in jail, she was found hanging. The clear plastic liner that you use for a garbage can had become a noose. Did Sandra Bland hang herself or was she killed? That's the core question at the heart of a great new HBO documentary, Say Her Name, which gives you a deep look into Sandra's case and her life. There's hours and hours of great videos that Sandra made and posted from her series, Sandy Speaks, where she talks about politics and racism and America, but with a tone of brightness and joy and positivity. She was a powerful woman who did not deserve to die that day or that way. For more on what happened to Sandra Bland and Officer Insinia, too, who's no longer a police officer, but is a free man. 
I talked to the husband and wife team, David Heilbrunner and Kate Davis, documentarians who made Say Her Name. It airs on HBO first on December 3rd. It's the story of Sandra Bland on Toray Show. Why did you start making a film about Sandra Bland? Oh, I mean, her story just captivated us from, from the get-go. It had these terrible associations with Jim Crow South. I mean, we're talking about the hanging of a black woman in the heart of Texas. This was where it took place was one of the last counties to abolish slavery. Lynchings are, you know, still the stuff of local legend and memory. That's where the, that's where the tree was, right? So her story was just had all this pr- profound resonance. And then when we discovered she left this vivid catalog of, of uh, video blogs talking about the very forces, you know, that brought her down, it was irresistible I, to try to make a film about it. I mean, that's the thing that really separates this film from anything else that's been in, we could call it sort of this Black Lives Matter uh, genre, that you have all this video footage of Sandra Bland talking to the camera, right? She wanted to be this sort of political, I don't want to say provocateur, but just somebody who's talking to people and tell, this is what I think, this is how I feel. And she really comes to life in this film. I mean, we, we, we know the name Sandra Bland. We know she's part of this list of Trayvon, Michael Brown, Eric Garner, Sandra Bland. But you have all this footage of her that we get to know her as a person. So just talk a little bit about who she was as a person. Oh my goodness, well, I mean, she had an enormously sort of forceful personality. She's extremely articulate. I like to think I'm articulate, college-educated, nah, you know, not compared to Sandy. She stood up for truth, you know, she thought things through. She wanted to energize people to, um, to you know, assert themselves, change the world, uh, make black history, American history, learn about their heritage. Um, speak to even law enforcement when they were making, you know, egregious errors, you know, try to work with that person, try to break down walls. Sandy was, I think, uh, she had lofty goals, and she wanted to help groups that are polarized learn from each other. That's, that's you know, pretty I wanna amazing. St- I want to start sort of at the end and go back a little bit, but Sandra Bland was stopped, arrested, incarcerated, or we should say jailed, right, because not a sentence, she's jailed, and was told, we were told that she killed herself, that she hung herself in the cell. Right. Is it, after going through all the evidence, is it your feeling that this was a suicide? You know, I've lost a lot of sleep over that question. Um, It's the most deeply mysterious and disconcerting set of circumstances around her death, and I, I go back and forth, because... If, if you look at all those video blogs we're talking about, you see this woman who has said, some people are, are hell-bent on self-extermination. I am not one of them. Everyone who knew Sandy, and you get to know her pretty well in the film, I mean, it's really like a portrait of her, mm-hmm. um, said when, when, they, when they heard that she had committed suicide, they went, that, that's, no sense. that's not the Sandy we knew. Right. And then you look at, well, what went down in that jail? You know, she was in solitary confinement for three days which you're really not supposed to be ever in solitary confinement, except as a punishment. They were supposed to re- reevaluate her after 24 hours to see if she was going to be violent. They never did it. Um, there are revelations of uh, fabricating jail records in our film. 
And I don't want to give away, you know, the whole movie. I don't want people to watch this. But there are other revelations which will totally haunt you. Um, on the other hand, you know, um, Sandy had a history of depression. Mm -hmm. She had tried to commit suicide, allegedly, you know, 14 months after she had a, 14 months prior after she had a miscarriage. She did say she was feeling suicidal at the time of the arrest, right? Well, yes and no. They, they said, um, have, you had, ha have you ever tried to commit suicide in the past? And she went, yes, 14 months ago. And then they wrote, are you feeling suicidal today? And she wrote, no. So there's, you know, there's evidence for, on both sides. The, the, the painful thing is, um, among the other suspicious details, and why it's also painful, is there was no camera in her cell. Right which is highly strange, as, as, as Sandy's sister Shantae said, then how are you monitoring your inmates, right? And why put, her in a, why put her in solitary confinement in a cell with no camera? And you have logs that are not accurately kept. They are falsified. Right. I mean, the prosecutor says, you know, you can see him. He's like choking on the words in, in the film. But basically he says, the jail records were filled out in a way that should not have been filled right, out. Right, right, yeah. right. But, but, but we didn't do it to... Yeah. No, but it's just, that's just the way they did it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, right. But then again, if you were the attorney, you know, trying to, to prove the case of murder, you can't prove it if, if somebody just sort of pre-filled out right. the jail records. That doesn't prove murder. No. That could just be lazy, you know, record keeping. But you also so, have you know. uh, an independent investigator, right, who says, doesn't look like a homicide to me, right? Right. So then where are we? Yeah, well, you know, one of the things that just, as David says, it just sticks in very hard to let go of Sandy's spirit. You know, to your question earlier, she was a trailblazer, and she liked to, um, she was ready to pursue justice, you know, her notion of what's right. She would fight, you know, and she, there's a scene in the film where she's in the mall saying, you know, not all white people are against us. She has this little sign and a yep. cop comes up, a security guard, rather. She's, she, and she, she's like, and then she's the one who walks away from Officer Insinia when she's pulled over and he's got a taser pointed at her uh, saying, I can't wait to take you to court over and over. So that's hard to reconcile with suicide. That said, mm -mm. from what I've read, and I'm no expert on solitary confinement, but it doesn't take long to break somebody's spirit. Mm. And it's like a Rorschach test a little bit. We do, we've done screenings. We just came back from um, St. Louis, you know, which, which had, we had a 500-seat theater packed. And it turned in almost to like a town hall. People got up and testified because this, this, her case pushes buttons deeply because, you know, driving while black is an epidemic freaking problem in our society. Yes. And she is, a, she is a, a flashpoint for a lot of those embittered feelings that you can't, as black American, drive around and feel safe, that the cops aren't going to pull you over for no reason at all. And, but you, you ask people after the film, you know, what do, what do they think? And they come up to, people come up to us and they go, oh, you know, I, I now get it. She committed suicide. And some people come up to you and go, oh, you totally nailed them. She obviously was murdered. And it's, you know. So it raises more <laughs> questions than it answers. Yeah, it, it, it truly, truly does. And it makes, but what you do learn, so it's frustrating that the film will never give you definitive proof. In, in my opinion, there's no definitive proof one way or the other. But what the film reveals are layers of corruption and deception, which really haven't been reported. Um, we have some details in the film that have never been reported. And no matter where you fall, it's going to leave you um, angry. It's going to leave you suspicious um, and with a, a sinking sense that law enforcement 
whenever anything goes wrong, it's going to circle the wagons and, and protect themselves, first and foremost. Of they course. don't really care about the humanity of the people that they're, that they're supposed to protect. You, you, you are able to create this great character study because there's so much video of her and so many people who knew her. And you really get to show us she's searching for who she would be. And at one point she's showing us, uh, she, there's some video of her showing like, well, you can use like the materials you can use in a prison, right? And you can't change this to make it into a weapon. It's clearly not who she would become, right? She's just selling items that would then be used in a prison. But then when she becomes the more activisty person and you see her blossom and you're like, wow, like look at this woman like finding herself. And she's, when she first starts doing the Sandy Speaks videos, it's very tepid. She's sort of figuring it out. And then she comes into her own, hello, my queens and my kings, and let's talk about. And it's, it's really powerful to see her sort of blossom. Yeah, she did. Um, and she's funny, too. She talks about hair. Uh, she, she tries to get people to be real and to, you know, believe that they, have a, they can have a voice, you know, instead of feeling silenced. And, and, and uh, so I think she had an incredible way of, of uh, inspiring people to, to pursue what they really feel in their hearts to be true um, and not be sort of second class or feel like, Worse, you know, it's like victims in society. She wanted to shift the narrative. Um, she did. Yeah. She really did. You know, and it's like you watch her get woke. I mean, this is when you, when you look at how she evolves. I mean, what you said is exactly right. She starts out with like her hair and curlers doing this thing. I know my hair looks a little crazy. My phone isn't even charged. She started trying out her voice and she finds her voice and she ends up by the end, you know, saying, I'm going to call out racism wherever I see it, and black and white. She says, you know, black people don't have enough white friends, white people don't have enough black friends. The only way we're going to get past the stain, the scourge of racism is by talking to each other. Yeah, I mean, that moment uh, sort of, like, like, eh, like it's, it's not about interpersonal relationships, Sandy. It's, <laughs> it's not about, like, we, have, we need more friends. Like, we need more justice and less oppression at a systemic level. No matter how many friends we have, that's not going to... But it's not that we don't understand. And, and some people get into the interpersonal level of racism, not dealing with the systemic level of racism. That really is the true problem. Um, but I saw somebody who was fighting to have a voice and understand these issues and work these things out. So even when I'm like, well, I don't totally agree with you there, mm -hmm. I appreciate that you are speaking. But well, you know, I, she did have some. Well, she, no, I just yeah. think that, that I hear you. She did the systemic level as well. There's she did. only a short scene in the film. I would have loved to have spent much more time on it, but there's so much forensic and detail and evidence to go through in the film, you know, as the family pursues this mystery um, that we really could only fit in so many things about what Sandy was up to in terms of her research. So she had this notebook filled with data about, you know, body cams, what's being spent, you know, per state, Congress, Senate, blah, you know, all, she was set on, you know, doing kind of her own research to, to help create programs around, you know, kids, um, around new ways of of um, implementing more cameras in car, cop cars, using cell phones, et cetera. And my point being that I, th I think, and I'm just guessing here that, that to what you were saying about Sandy, um, 
saying we just need to be friends. I think that's just said her setting the scene mm. for people who don't even know how to, I'll just speak as a white person, really may not know how to even approach those big systemic problems. And that if you can just cross over in your heart and like be talking about issues interracially, you know, and have more, fr in a sense, in inclusivity in your life, then that is the beginning of change, mm. you know, for a lot of people, because we're not up at that governmental level, sure. and we don't know. Yeah. So, you know. She, she wasn't all the way, I mean, she was like on a flight path upward, you know. This, 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 the Sandy Speaks had only begun six, seven months before she died, you know. So this is a woman in 28 years old who had just suddenly, something clicked in her, you know, and she was, she was really finding her role in life, what she wanted to do, which is what makes her being brought down by the very forces that she was interested in. You know, her, her, she was talking about police brutality, talking about racism, talking about um, you know, white police violence against the African-American community. And those are the very forces that brought her down, which was, by the way, just sort of the filmmaker, like the eeriest of things. You know, those, those video blogs ring strangely prescient. It's like she's almost speaking from beyond the grave. You're not... Are you thinking at all, perhaps they were like, go shut her up? Uh, did, did, they, did the cops perhaps say, we need to shut her up? Or, or just because they found out who Yeah, she they was. saw that she was talking, or, or just this is a random traffic stop that went wrong? Well, I think she might have been profiled for starters. If you look at the, it's not discussed in the film, but if you look at the um, dash cam, Trooper Insignia, he's the guy who arrested her. Yeah. Brian and Sinia. Brian and Sinia. Right, because quite often the victim's name gets blown out, and the cop who did it is like, well, it's just a police officer, yeah. right? And their names should be just as famous as the victim's name. Yeah, even maybe more infamous, you know? Yes. And so he, you see Sandy drive along, and you watch him make a U-turn and start pursuing her. Mm -hmm. Now, why, why did he make that U-turn? She didn't blow a light. She's not speeding. And as he follows her, then she pulls... She changes lanes to let him go past, and then he stops her for not putting the turn signal on. But why did he make that first turn? Why did he stop? And it's, the, my theory is, you know, she's a single African-American woman without estate plates. Let me go, you know, like, just but let me go a, profile What her. kind of car was it? Just an average car? Yeah, I forget what kind it was. You nothing know, special? Nothing flashy. <laughs> it, was a, it was a, you know, beat-up old car, classic sort of college student ride. And, and this interaction is not... Unusual to the ones we've seen, he starts asking her for stuff, you know, license, et cetera, you know, put out your cigarette. I mean, she's annoyed, but complying, right? So just talk about the first part of the stop, and what are you thinking? What do you see there? Mm, well, I think things shift between them when he says, would you mind putting out your cigarette? That's when she takes the opportunity to assert her rights and said she says to offer officer Incinia, I don't have to does she have to what is the law do you know yeah no I you know I think the law is pretty vague on this because you could t theoretically take a cigarette and throw it at the cop you so could. it could be dangerous right you so could. the cop is allowed to protect himself from a possible danger so you might have the right to um, ask her ask her to put it out um, but just to go to back up for a minute because that's halfway through the encounter you know this encounter begins with him coming over give me your license and registration she does he walks back and he's just he's writing her up uh, a, a garden variety warning and instead of saying here's your warning ma'am you know don't do it anymore carefully you're turning signal have a good day he says you look really annoyed yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's like already going, 
Why? She, she didn't say anything. She has said nothing. She's, right. She's not said anything that Silence. would provoke that response. Nothing. She's just sitting there probably looking annoyed, you know, probably making a face. And he says, you and not appropriate annoyed. for the officer to now we're going to talk about your emotions. You look annoyed yeah. like you stopped me. What do you think? I mean, are citizens happy to be stopped? Yeah, right. And what does he expect Being her to annoyed say? Annoyed would be, I would think, yeah. any one of us would who wouldn't be. Right. So <laughs> she, she says, yeah. yeah. I, well, she said, not if you're going to ask me. The answer is, yeah, I am annoyed. You know, that that would over. suggest that you are not a criminal person. <laughs> I'm not you. To this, I am annoyed. Right? If you get stopped all the time, you're like, I know the procedure. But this, I'm like, ah, I've never been stopped. I haven't been stopped in years. Like, why are you bothering me? Right. And so, and, and, and so, she gets it off her chest. Says, Yeah, I'm annoyed. I think it's you know crap what you're writing me a ticket for. But you're doing your job. So yeah, I'm annoyed. She stops. Doesn't say anything more. Couple she's moments not attacking pass. him. She's not cursing. No, as a matter of fact, she follows that up by saying, but. You have a right to give me a ticket, so I guess I'll just sit here, you know, basically. Yes. Yeah. Compliant. And I'm not challenging you. Space, space, space. And then he says, would you mind putting out your cigarette? No, no. 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 He, says, he says, are you done? Right. Are you done? Are and you as done? Sharon, Sandy's sister, once said, when my husband and I are having a fight, and he says, are you done? You know, that's flowing. That's throwing a grenade. I mean, what it do you, is? you know, he's, at, he's baiting her. It is. Instead of saying, all right. I've already bugged this one by asking her if she's annoyed. She told me she is. She stopped talking. And instead of letting it go, no, he's going, let me, let me, let me go dig are at you, you a little done? bit. I mean, are you done is definitely like, I, I'm digging, I'm attacking yeah. you. I'm not, right? I mean, like, yeah. will you shut up, right? I mean, it's something generally that men say when they are tired of listening to the woman talk anymore, <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's, it, it, it's insulting. It's, it's insulting. Like and it's meant to be insulting. Like, I'm, like I, I wasn't really listening. I'm just trying to find, are you, are you finished? Yeah, right? Because exactly. if you were really listening, you wouldn't have no. to ask that question. No, in fact, it's yeah. saying, well, you're not worth listening to because you're just rattling on. Right. You know. and, right. And look at the dynamics. You know, we've got a, um, Sandy was 6'2". She was beautiful. She was charismatic. She was well-spoken. And here's this, I hate to say it, but slightly overweight, not too impressive human being of a police officer. And this woman is just holding her own and being proud and strong. And but he's only he, been on the force for a year. Yeah. He's a, he's a new trooper. Um, and he, he, he's baited her. She, she answered, and then she stopped talking, but he had to go, are you done? She finally said, well, you asked me what was wrong. I told you what was wrong. So, yeah, I am done. More silence. Police officer could, you know, what is he waiting for? He, what is he waiting for? Instead of saying, all right, thank you very much, here's, here's your warning, he goes, mind putting out your cigarette, please? You know, and right, they, we're almost done with this interaction. Yeah. Why are you asking me to put out right. my cigarette? Like, she's, she's you're just, almost about to let me go. You've already written all the all ticket. So. Well, then, there, then yeah, yeah, it gets, I, things escalate quickly. They and, do. And um, he tells her to get out of the car. And she says, I don't have to get out of my own car. And but she does. I don't know, you know, if I want to give this away, but what I didn't know going into this, this video, this dash cam went viral. Yeah. A lot of people yes. out there probably have seen it over yes. and over. Um, to have the luxury of stopping, making a film about it, stopping and zooming in and working with the attorney who obviously studied for Sandra's family, um, who obviously studied the dash cam very carefully, it becomes clear that Officer Insignia slaps her in the car, and that is something I think that many people think, don't know. I certainly didn't. I think most people missed that. I mean, I, right. was, I was at MSNBC when this first blew up. I don't remember anybody talking about her being slapped by yeah. the officer. Right. Um, you can see it. You can hear it. We zoom in. We make sure that right, you the see, audience like, can see it. Right, you see her head this. sort of move awkwardly. Right. Now, that's yeah. a battery. 
that's something that an officer's not supposed to do. Oh, yes. Um, the charge that Sandy ended up with is she was charged a felony for attacking the officer. What? <laughs> Wait. Wh why not to jump did, ahead. But. Why does he slap her? For sassing him. The best I could. He reaches in, you hear the smack, her head moves over, and then the next line that she says is, don't touch me. Right? And he slaps her because she's not complying. He's saying, get out of the car. She's not getting out of the car. He reaches in and goes, you know, like, hey, get, you know, get out of the goddamn car. And it, it's, it's not even trying to get her out of the right. Like if he grabbed her, he's trying to get her to. This is just I'm mad at you. Right. Yeah, You're right. Not, That's the thing, you know, it's, there, it's but there's completely inappropriate for a police dominant. officer. Dominant. It's an assertion yeah. of dominance. Well, so, this is a moment where, yeah, gender forces of gender and probably race and and other factors are all just hitting, you know, in a perfect storm where he is, in my estimation, very threatened by Sandy's existence, her power as a person, and he does, as you say, need to just dominate the situation. And cops, to be fair, are trained in different ways, um, often through force, to make sure that they're in control of the situation. But right. I think there's other stuff that, that's feeding into that, you know, protocol. I hate to have any note of possibly seeming to blame the victim. But just on a devil's advocate level, and my, I know if my mom were here, she'd be like, well, that's not how I taught you to, te te to speak to the police when they stop you, and that's why you're still here, right. and some others are not, and that is not a blanket explanation. But I, I, those of us who got the talk were taught to keep the tone down, to say, sir, to get out of there as fast as you can. And yes, he is horrible in the way that he is behaving. She's not helping herself, though. No, she's no, not. But I think what she's doing is she's trying to break the legacy of just, you know, shutting up and putting up and zipping it, um, because that's not going to change anything. And here's an officer that's that's telling her to do something she doesn't have to do. And remember, she's a politicized, woke person mm -hmm. that wants to go. That that's clearly through her, you know, videos that you'll see in the film. You know, she's about breaking through a you know centuries old mm -hmm. legacy of silence and so i guess my answer to that is yes sandy probably could have followed the talk rules and said yes or no sir sorry sir and maybe things wouldn't have gone down the way they did but does that mean you know that rosa parks should have gone to the back of the bus you know, and absolutely. Martin Luther King should have just zipped it. Absolutely. So, you know, when do you stand up to what you know is right? Absolutely. No, absolutely. And, and you know, let, let us not forget that Sandy starts speaking up only after the officer opens her car door, slaps her, and threatens her with a taser. Up until that point, he, he stops her. He says, give me your license registration. She does. She doesn't say a word. Five minutes go by. He comes in, hands her the ticket. She doesn't say anything. And then he says, you know, are you, you look upset. And she answers pretty nicely. She doesn't, she doesn't swear at him. Right. Yeah, she tells him why he's upset. He, she stops. He goes, are you done? You know, we've been over this. But she's, she is doing just what your mom would say she should yes. do. Yes. And he keeps coming at her. And I think at a certain point, he went. He pushed her buttons enough where she went, all right, you know, I can't. I, I'm sick of being your, your, um, your, your, okay. your bitch okay. in this yeah. situation. You know, you're yeah. really treating me. Like like dirt, but also and, and I, so he got yeah. yeah he got right. he got her riled up. But understand, she was definitely going 
the route that we all want, wish this had stayed the entire time. I'm just like, okay, the cop was a jerk, but she put up with it and, and got on her way. And, but he, he just kept at it, and I think he was, he was really gunning to, to get her, get, get, get under her skin. I don't know why something about her really got, you know, got under his skin. I don't know why he went after her the way he did, but you can see it. He comes back and back and back. And eventually she went, all right, you want me to bite, I'm going to bite. So what happens when they get out of the car? Hmm. Well, they, they go off camera, which, you know, we have been told police are often trained to go out of the range of yeah. the camera. Trained mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to go? I sure. see They're now, well I never, aware I thought, where the dash cam is. Well, I thought they over. know the dash cam range, and they you know, obviously go outside if you're going to, you know, beat somebody up or whatever, but they are trained. Well, when I say trained, I don't know if it's actually in the book okay. or okay. they teach each other or whatever, but it is a, it's a, it's a well-advised mm -hmm. Technique if you're, you know, so pissed he, off at he, your. He takes her outside the range of the camera to right. show her who's boss. Right. And yeah. you hear some, you hear a lot uh, that goes on, you know, with audio of him sort of dominating her and pushing her down. And there happened to be a bystander uh, on the street who then takes video, and that's also in the film. And you see Insinia with his knee in her back, you know, basically nailing her to the ground. You know, and she says, you're breaking my wrist, and she's screaming, she's in pain. Um, later on, you know, due to, with the, some of the autopsy photos, it becomes clear that she actually had a leaf ground under the skin in her back. So oh, we're what? talking a leaf. There's a picture in the Under film. her skin. Mm -hmm. In her, ground yeah. into her back. And, you know, what's interesting is she's face down in the, by the time the bystander, you know, um, starts filming. But... The, if you look at the autopsy photos, her back is badly scratched up. There are deep, deep bruises that this, this doctor, Joy, Joy Carter, the, the second doctor who was brought in to do the independent autopsy, discovered. So she was both face down and face up off, off camera. When You'll never know exactly what happened, but her take, and she, she used to be the chief medical examiner for Harris County, so this is, this is no hired gun. This is one who used to work for the government. Um, and she said, yeah, she had... Bruises going all the way to the level of the ribs. You know, someone on her knee, on the, has her knee in her back, grinding her in. Her back's badly scratched up. They have this, even after three days in jail, she still has this leaf, you know, ground into her back. You can see it in the, in the film. You'll see the shot. And so what happened off camera, you know, is that they really roughed her up. It, this wasn't just subduing her to get handcuffs on. You don't need to rough somebody up that way to subdue them. To subdue them. They had, he had backup. You know, he had her, a taser point. Um, and and then he, so he brings in this woman who he has first baited, then beaten up, and accuses her of kicking him. And so she's now held on a felony, which is assault on a against a police officer. There is no evidence whatsoever except there's some dirt on his pants leg, which he claims was from her shoe. But that's the crime that labeled her a felon, that labeled her a violent felon that justified all the mistreatment that happened after that. We live in a world where you can get anything you need delivered to your door thanks to DoorDash. If you don't want to do the dishes or you feel a little sick, let DoorDash bring dinner tonight. My family uses DoorDash all the time because it connects us to our favorite restaurants without us having to drive. Last night, we got some Indian food for my wife, some gumbo for me, and sushi for the kids. And everyone was happy, and we didn't have to do the dishes. The process of ordering was quick and easy, and I love DoorDash for real. So I was so happy to do this for them because I'm a customer, because I know DoorDash is your door to more. 
Must be over 21 to order alcohol. Alcohol available only in select markets. DoorDash, your door to more. Download the DoorDash app now to get almost anything delivered. One of the people who helped inspire me to want to be in broadcasting is Oprah Winfrey. She's an inspiration for so many of us, but her daytime talk show was so incredible. And it told me that you could be black and authentic and real on TV. And that made me want to do it too. Black Stories, Black Truths is NPR's new collection that's a celebration of blackness. Each of NPR's black voices are as direct, varied, distinct, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and how to create world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account of what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. Black perspectives that haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story, but now they are the story. On NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, as nuanced, and as black as we are. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Influencer. It's a word that gets tossed around a lot these days. There is a woman who went the distance, who broke ground as the first true influencer by living a remarkable life. Her name, Elizabeth Taylor. I'm Katy Perry. This is the story of the original influencer. This is Elizabeth the First. Elizabeth the First, the podcast, wherever you listen. Because when you walk into the jail with that charge, the other officers are going to respond. They're going to treat you differently, right? Yeah, uh, and it's it's really disturbing. She comes in and she is treated as a violent felon, uh, which is completely opposite of who she was as a human being. Sandra, you know, she'd been arrested for marijuana. You know, I, I mean, I, that's it. Uh, but she, because she was the only yeah. one at that time with that charge, and it was a you know felony based on a supposed violent action against the cop. Um, then that is their excuse for putting her in solitary. So they have some answers for why she ended up alone for three days. We'll get back to the show in just a moment, but I want to remind you that anything can happen at any time. And if you want to take care of your family, even after the unimaginable happens, way to do that is with life insurance. If you don't have life insurance, it's really easy to get. You can go to Policy Genius. In two minutes, you can compare quotes from all sorts of insurers and find the best policy. Over 4 million people have done it. You can also do life, disability insurance, renter's insurance, health insurance, any sort of thing. If you're looking for a good reason to buy life insurance, look at your family and think about being able to take care of them after you're gone. How amazing would that be? How much would that let you sleep at night? That God forbid you were not there to provide for them 
you'd be able to get them a big check so they could keep going on and living the way they're living. Go to policygenius.com, get quotes, apply in minutes, do the whole thing on your phone. It is the easy way to compare and buy life insurance. Policy Genius. Take care of your family after you're gone. You guys are talking a lot to Sandy's side of the world. Did you talk more to, I mean, and, and you have uh, the sheriff, but do you have others from Brian and Sydney's side? Do you have his attorney? Did you try to talk to him? We, we did. He's, he's, he claims that this, this case has ruined his life. Yes, I saw that. He yeah. said this has ruined his life as if this does not include the actions that he took. Right. It's just like the weather came and it really, like, right. you well, did this. He, and, you know, he's, he's, he got off so lightly. First of all, I mean, ruined his life. Let's look what happened to Sandra Bland. You know, in context, right. it's, it's, Literally it's, it's insulting to say that. Yeah. Right. It destroyed her life. Right. Um, he he was can no longer be a police in law officer. enforcement. And that's it. That's it. He was supposed to, he was, he was, he was indicted uh, for perjury for the reason that he forced her out of the car. He said she was a threat to him. And that's why he forced her out of the car. And the grand jury went, no. Now, this is the classic. He's indicted technique. for that. He's indicted for but it, which is a, a misdemeanor. He's indicted. After the case settles, and this is in the film, it's the closing cards of the film, it is revealed that the district attorney dismissed that indictment, dismissed all charges, and let him go. Now, here's a guy who should have been or, you know, indicted for, for battery. You know, for, for hitting this woman, he didn't, and, and for he should have been fired immediately for the misconduct that he engaged in, and instead they drop all the charges and let him go. And th- this is the kind of thing that makes people, I think, deeply cynical about the criminal justice system in America and deeply pissed off as they should be. I mean, you know, prosecutors work hand in hand with police officers constantly, so when the case comes to charge a police officer. They are very hamstrung and like, well, what am I supposed to do? This is this is part of my team, basically. And this is this is what they say. Now, it doesn't seem lawful to see an officer slap a citizen on video and not do anything about that. I and mean, that's yeah. battery, but right. nothing. No, and it's too bad because I think officers have I mean, if law enforcement in general has an opportunity in this case and in many cases to examine their behavior and admit that problems went down and I credit um, the law enforcement uh, folks that did speak up in this film for admitting some of the failings they had with Sandra Bland's case Um, but there's a there's farther they can go and you know in if in general, police just don't want to even crack at all and say, no, 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 we did everything right. You know, even if it's 18 bullets in somebody's back when they're, yeah, I don't know, you know, barbecuing or, or just standing right. there with a screwdriver or not, or, or have their hands up. It's like, mm, no, you know what, they, you're, you're getting a little defensive here. You know, we need to use de-escalation as part of, you know, they, they need to be incentivized to bring the level of drama and potential violence and fatality down. De-escalation would be fantastic. I mean, you know, I think about the white fear that Trump uh, manipulated to become president. And I wonder if this sort of interaction is sort of like the foot soldiers of white fear, that I'm this white officer, if you're not showing total deference, I will crush you, right? I mean, is that... 
Is that a connection that we can make? Well, it's also, it's in, in fairness, also just full disclosure, I used to be a prosecutor. Okay. I was an assistant DA in Manhattan, so I totally know what you're talking about. It, you're very, as a prosecutor, reluctant to charge the people you rely on because the cops are going to bring, your, bring the cases. And they are out there risking their lives. And anyone who's been in trouble on the street knows how happy you are to see a police car when you need it. I mean, it's a good thing if you need it. Well, all right, all right, I'll speak. I, I mean, Maybe I mean, that's the white perspective. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I know when the police show up, I'm generally like, oh, this could get a lot worse. It, it, it could chill out, but this could get a lot worse. Okay. Fair, 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 fair enough. Um, but you, 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 need, you need these guys. Uh, on the other hand, there's, there is a slow, there are a couple of prosecutors around the country who are starting to realize this has got to change. This, this sort of want, protecting you know, your, your guys on the street is, is, not, is never going to make things better. It's never going to change the nature of those interactions. And it's not because I've hung out with cops a lot. You know, I used to work with them. It's scary. I mean, I've been on ride-alongs. I've done drug busts, worn Kevlar going into, you know, a crack house. It's, and it, you know, it, you try it. It's, it's, it's scary as hell. Sure. And every time you stop a car, you know, it's the first two, three, two minutes, first 30 seconds, you really are scared. You, don't, you, you just don't know. You know, you know, for a person can be schizophrenic. They could, be, they could have a gun. Um, and so for the first 30 seconds, I get why an officer, or even a minute, has to go, all right, I'm in control here because I just got to, I got to, I don't want to end up dead. The, that excuse totally falls apart in the case of Sandra Bland because right. we were talking about a long time before anybody, you know, before even a voice is raised. You know, he could walk, he could have walked away so many times. So it's a situation where the prosecutor really had no business backing up Insinia, had no business dismissing the, the charges against him. This is just not one of those cases. So it's, where is Insinia now? Do you know? I don't know. I had heard he had left the state, but yes. I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's all we know. I mean, my God. I, mm. <laughs> I feel so bad because his life was ruined. Uh, <laughs> and he's got to go around thinking about her all the time. Uh, but yeah, no yeah. person is held responsible for her death, mm. right? No. There's, there's a judgment paid to the family. Yeah. But no, indivi- I mean, no individual is responsible here. How can that be? Well, it's wrong. I mean, it's, it's, it's just wrong. If you look, if you add up all the things that let Sandra down, including the admission, which I have to say, I think because I used to be law enforcement, right, this is admittedly, you know, decades back, um, I did get some candor, which is unusual, out, out of both the prosecutor and, and the sheriff. And they, they admitted failings, you know. The, the prosecutor admitted that the jail logs were, were falsified, right. you know, that people were supposed to check on her, and they lied. They just filled in dates and didn't look in on her. Right. Um, and the sheriff admitted that he was morally responsible for her death, even if not legally. So, you know, first of all, you rarely hear people say that. No, and I just, I, again, we credit them for, yeah. for being open because that's the beginning of a dialogue. And that will help other people go a little bit farther than just villainizing these guys. We, yeah. <laughs> it's hard yeah. to swallow, huh? I, I mean, I, I, the sheriff is a very interesting character in the piece. And... In some ways, he's giving me all this boss hog stuff. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, in a way, he's giving you this quarter so that he does not have to give away the whole game, right? And it's like, if I'm nice and I admit this much, then I can deny this much. You know what I mean? It's hard to be yes. inside his mind. I wouldn't claim to know exactly what he's doing at all. Yeah. Um, but I do know those guys were under fire. You know, you see it in the film, the Black Panthers came and, you know, with machine guns. And, you know, they were they were thought to be, you know, a, a large swath of, of 
villainous characters that, that were out to kill Sandy. So if that wasn't the case, just if that wasn't the case, and it wasn't some, you know, organized murder, um, imagine what it would feel like that, from their point of view. So um, it's, uh, you know, we want viewers to come and see this and, and judge for themselves because we lay it out, I think, really quite even-handedly. Um, nothing makes up for the fact, not only for, for all the sort of clear oversights, let's say, that, that helped contribute to Sandy's demise, but also um, it was a death in custody. Let's just sit back, let alone the takedown on the street. We've talked about that. But when you are in custody, you are at, you are the charge of the people taking care of you. You know, it's not cool to leave, oh, a plastic bag from a trash, you know, a trash liner in a room where you're going to be alone for three days when they've already taken your shoelaces right. because they could be, you know, a threat right. to your life. But it's a really perfectly tied noose as well. I mean, mm -hmm. she's under a tremendous stress and yet she can still tie this beautiful and if you, I mean, adding to the weirdness of that, it's, it's, there's so much sort of forensic material we wanted to cover, but the doctor says that she was found hanging, but not the way you would think. She's found hanging, she's seated, and she's hanging, leaning into the noose. Now, I, I used to be a prosecutor, right? I didn't know you could hang yourself to death that way. I, I didn't think it would work. I think if you're despairing, you hang the neck, hang as high as you can, get on a chair, kick the chair out, and, you know, so... Did Sandra Bland know that she could do that? You could just lean into the noose and sort of fall asleep and you would asphyxiate in your sleep? Uh, you know, it's hard to get your head around. Um, it's a very slow way of doing it. It's a weird thing to weird, do, right? It doesn't weird. quite mm -hmm. feel right, which is what got this whole fervor going in the first place. The family immediately suspected something wasn't what they were being told it was. Um, and that, that's, how, you know, that's how the whole, that's, how we, that's where we entered. Um, Ten days after she died, you know, HBO says, we've, we've worked with them for a long time, and they said, you know, you guys do civil rights films. Why don't you go down and see if there's a, a film to be made about Sandra Bland? And then we were like, you know, yeah, man, it's a, it's a great idea. But we're a couple of white filmmakers on the East Coast. This is an, an all-black um, story, essentially. You know, Sandy, her family, Chicago. It's, it's a world where I thought they wouldn't necessarily let us in. Well, you know, there's a way... See, I would see the black folks in the story would talk to you because they want their story out. Yeah. But it's that if I showed up with my cameras, would the sheriff talk to me or would he assume he's biased, he's with Sandy, yeah. I cannot even risk talking to him? Whereas they think mm -hmm. they might get a fair shake with you guys. Well, I mean, I think it turned out that way. I think we did get, we really tried to get out of the way. You know, our job was just to observe and let them speak. Um, and it did turn out that the sheriff did talk to us. And I'm really, I'm actually really glad about that because we didn't go in there gunning for the sheriff and I'm still not gunning for him now. You know, the, the old expression, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Um, I think Sheriff Glenn Smith and, and Prosecutor Elton Mathis believe what they're saying to us um, and what they say on camera. Um, are they spinning it a little bit? I'm sure they are. I mean, he's, DA is an elected job. You know, you, you expect that. Right. But there's, there's enough self criticism in what they say to make me go, all right, at least they're going to meet but us more than Everybody's going to look at this and think a different thing. And yeah. it's really what our job was in large part, I think, was to help a broad audience. Um. What does eating healthy mean to you? 
Whatever your eating goals, Thrive Market is the best place to get all your groceries and household essentials. And getting Thrive shipped to your door is like having a great supermarket right outside your house. I love that Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and ethical sourcing methods. Whether you're looking for organic kid snacks or low sugar alternatives or gluten free essentials, Thrive Market's got it, and their site lets you curate your shopping experience quickly. And as a Thrive member, I save on every order, usually about 30%, which of course I love. And when you join, you help a family in need with the membership matching program. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a $60 gift for free. Go to thrivemarket.com slash for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's Thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E Market. Dot com slash Toray. Thrivemarket.com slash Toray. On March 16th, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alamine, a Muslim leader and former black power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosi Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tinderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, kind of collect more information, get to know them, hear their justifications for why things went down the way they did. Do you buy the suicide uh, analysis? I don't know. I really don't know. But um, You don't know? You So you think it's possible that it was a suicide? I think it's possible it was a suicide, yeah. You do? I think Sandy had really lofty ambitions and that kind of, you know, if they're dashed and you're slapped with a felony and you're alone for three days, who knows? I mean, uh, the independent medical examiner, who is black and was a woman and and really deeply cared about Sandy's case, um, felt that it was likely a suicide. But she said, you have to look at this as being driven and, and, and said probably not a homicide and yes. probably a suicide. Probably a suicide and driven to. And that's a really important thing to add because it's, mm. it's when you're treated like dirt right from the get-go. You know, here's this woman, just, just, she had just gotten a job down south, you know, in her dream job. She's going to go back to her alma mater. She's going to get her, her master's in political science. She's, she's all excited. She's just called her mom. I got the job. I'm right. going to buy groceries. The cop stops her on the way home. Gives her grief within, you know. She was driving to her mother's house. She was driving to, no, to her, her friend Lavon Mosley's house. Where okay. he was, she was crashing until she got her own place because she didn't know she got the job till that very day. So she just got a job. Yeah. Just starting to feel like things are going up. Yep. I am excited about this job. I'm going to my friend's house. So it, pulls her out of the car. By, you know, within an hour, she's beaten up by the side of the road, charged with a felony, held on $5,000 bail, thrown into solitary confinement in an iron cell, and kept there for three days. Now, you know, imagine what's going on in her mind. She's, she's going to lose her job, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, she might actually end up being convicted of this felony. You know, the, I mean, so yeah. she's convicted all of a sudden of a violent crime against a cop. She's going to end up maybe doing jail time. I mean, really, like six months, a year. Life, sort of really life-altering time, not just three days. Um, and then she's, she's left alone in this cell for three days. She's supposed to be checked on. She's obviously not being checked on. I mean, as, as, the, as, as the, the DA has admitted, that these records were falsified. Um, 
three days in solitary confinement, if you've just, and if, if you've been beaten up, you know, she had bruised ribs, she's scratched. It's, it's, a, it's a heavy emotional it can, burden. It, you know, um, it's not that yeah. she has a weakness, it's mm -hmm. that the system came down on her like a ton of bricks. So, yeah, I could believe suicide under those circumstances. But, yeah. but, but suicide that you are driven to, yes. so then it becomes a homicide in reality that we Boom. have pushed you over the edge and you will actually do it, but we actually did it. Yeah, and, and in and my mind, that is, yeah. That, yeah, That's that, what you that, believe? that is arguably more um, sort of pernicious and scary and yes. what it says about our culture and the system. If it can bring somebody like Sandy yeah. down, that's, uh, in, I think that is arguably a, a, a darker outcome than had she been like offed by one guy in the jail. Right, yeah. right. I, mean, I like to look at this, I don't mean I don't like, I think of this as a lynching. Right. This is a lynching. This is a woman who was minding her own goddamn business and was stopped and she complied perfectly with the officer who just kept coming at her, coming at her, coming at her, come on, come on, come on, I'm going to pick a fight, I'm going to pick a fight. She finally takes the bait. She gets beaten up, charged with a crime she didn't commit, held in solitary confinement with, with all the tools for self-destruction left in her unmonitored jail cell with no camera inside. Um, you know, they, they brought her down, man. They brought her down and they, they, they created a situation which would drive, frankly, anyone to despair. So yeah, I, I look at it as a, as a lynching. Whether someone came in there and murdered her with their bare hands or the system came down and forced her into a state of mind where, where she just lost all hope, um, it matters. As, as a matter of law, as a matter of fact, but in terms of our society, no, it, it's, it's, she, was, she was killed by the system. I mean, yeah, when we look at bright, happy Sandy in her car, speaking her truth, and we say, this, could, this person could not commit suicide, but that's her in her normal life that she's chosen and made for herself. Yeah. If you put her in an extraordinary situation, she's going to respond in an extraordinary way, and a situation that she had never been in, most of us have never been in, we have no idea how we would feel when you're in extreme physical pain and in uh, solitary confinement for an extended, extended period. I mean, they, you talked about it before. People who are held in, in solitary confinement for 30 days never return to being the mental level that they were at before. Right? They were permanently right. damaged by that. Um, three days for a person who has no experience being inside a jail, right. That's devastating. And may I add, I mean, we, last year we were nominated for an Academy Award for a short film called Traffic Stop, and it was about Breon King in, outside Austin, Texas, who was um, harassed by a cop and thrown around um, in a matter of a couple of minutes, brutally. My, I mean, my bones would have been broken, but she was a dancer and uh, age 26. And... I can say, knowing Brianne and having made this film, that it took her from those few minutes, which were much less intense than what Sandy suffered on the roadside, it took her a good year to decide to come out of her bedroom. You know, she was traumatized. The PTSD was very real. So, yeah. my God, just, I mean, yeah. I think about the PTSD, not just of the people who are having these incidents, mm. but all of us who are watching. Mm. All these videos, mm. not just Sandy, but, you know, on and on and on. John Crawford, Tamir Rice, on and on. Eric Garner. Oh, Eric. Uh, and I, I don't know what is happening 
to all of us who have five, ten videos in our head mm. all the time that we could replay. And I could see Eric Garner right now, and I could see Tamir Rice right now, and it's and I could see Sandy, and it's it eats at your soul to be seeing these videos in your head all the time. Yeah, and we, they they crop up, you know, Laquan McDonald only oh, recently oh, with Laquan that. McDonald, yeah. Walter Scott. Oh but my there, God. there are videos that, are, that haven't gone as viral. When we were doing the film, we decided we would look into as many videos as we could get because we considered putting a montage together of, of all of them to sort of depict where Sandy was coming from because she had seen a lot of this stuff and it motivated her. It, it woke her up. And there, there are... Examples that are just heartbreaking. There's an example of an African-American kid who's schizophrenic and he meets the cops at a door with a screwdriver. And mom is yelling, he's, you know, he's crazy, he's crazy. And the cops go, put the screwdriver down, put the screwdriver down. And he's just sort of frozen, not lunging at them, just standing there. And they just shoot him to death. And he, and he drops to the ground, mom is screaming, and he's bleeding to death, and he dies. And there's and, another one of them. And this one hasn't gone viral. Yeah. You no, know, it should. Out there. I mean, those, those stories should be a, national, a source of national outrage. And there's so many of them. You thought about doing this montage. Why did you yeah. decide not to include it? Well, because we didn't want to undercut Sandy's story or sort of, it, they're so upsetting. And each one of those deserves their own story ultimately. Mm -hmm. And we didn't want to sort of derail that already complex tale, mm -hmm. you know, that, that say her name is chronicle. So that was why. Mm -hmm. um, we included a few to yeah. set the scene, but right. we could have gone, I mean, really you could make, if you wanted to, you know, uh, a horror newsreel. It's 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 a series of snuff films mm. that we have all been forced to watch over and over and well, over. Totally. And it's 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 very painful. And I mean, you talk about lynching, this domestic terrorism. Uh, other people were affected by that. Don't go to Mississippi or what have you know. You knew knows what will happen. And this is similar, except we can't avoid Mississippi now because Mississippi is everywhere. Yeah. It, 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 you know, we were interviewed um, for a Monday morning, Sunday morning talk show by an African-American anchor and after, about this short film we did about called Traffic Stop. And once the cameras were off, you know, the microphones were coming, coming off, she said, look, the reason I had you on my show is because my son is 19. Uh, I'm well-to-do. He, he has a nice car. And he's been stopped six times for no reason because we live in a white neighborhood and he's a young black man driving a nice car. And she said, I, I, had to get you, I had to get you on because this and when we show when we showed both our Sandra Bland film, you know, which will be on HBO December 3rd, the world will see it. Um, and when we showed this film to mixed audiences as we were testing it out, you know, every time the, um, the black members of our test audience would say, oh, yeah, that's happened to me. That's happened. To me. You know, they, they and they, they know lots of people it's happened to. And it's, it's not a big surprise. And never. I mean, not once. Have we had a white person say, oh, yeah, that happened to me? Right. It just doesn't happen. And right. I know in my heart, That's... when I, I mean, I, I'm very paranoid about cops. If I see them on my rear view mirror, I think they're going to pull me over. But what I fear is the ticket. What I fear is paying the, the man the $2. Never do I fear for my life. Not even uh, safety, no. That's not what it's yeah. about. Yeah. And there was one gentleman at Tribeca at our first screening who stood up and he said, I'm a... African-American man, he said, I'm a mathematician, Ph.D. in math. He said, I can count. I've been pulled over 118 times for no reason. 118? Yep. That's extraordinary. He's probably about yeah. 70 years old, you know. So, so it's crazy. You know. Are white audiences 
really understanding what's going on? Or are they still like, really? Isn't this yeah. an isolated incident? Shouldn't she have been nicer to the? When I'm nice to the cop, and I, I, yeah. I, I got away. Well, that's you know, in in first of all, we're really trying to reach everybody, but we're we're being white. You know, we're we're aware of the deficiencies of consciousness in our community, and we have a, a woman in the film, Hannah Bonner, who is a extremely good-looking, blonde, blue-eyed minister who became an activist and was, was fighting for Sandra's um, name to be remembered and fighting for the truth to come out. And at one point, we film her saying, you know, I know that as a white woman living in America, this would never happen to me. Right. I wouldn't be. I, it wasn't because I was, I could be smoking a cigarette. I could be cursing. I'm not going to be threatened with a taser. I'm not going to be beaten up. And I'm not going to be um, jailed. She said, so therefore... Racism killed Sandra Bland, right? And which, which I think crystallizes for the it's it's an answer to all those white people who sit back and go, "Hey, if you would just you know behave yourself, everything would be cool." It's not necessarily going to be cool, right? And no, the, the system is the system is, is ginned against you, uh, and and people have and people have deeper racist roots than they even know. It's no, it's a really powerful moment uh, with the minister, and it's it it breaks through. The N-word is not used, right? He doesn't mm -hmm. say anything specific about race. Yep. But this environment in which this happens to Sandy, not just from the stop, but what happens in the prison, the expectations of her, the fear of her, the attack on her that would not happen to you, all of that is racism killed her. Right. And it's so easy to not make those connections. And I think for a lot of white people, they just cannot see their way to those connections. Mm -hmm. But she, the minister, clearly sees those connections and you clearly see those. Connections. Well, we put yeah. that in the film in order to help, as David said, you know, help a sort of a broad white audience go, OK, let's just let's approach this with a with a dollop of like common sense. Would this happen to me the same way? Really? Yeah. Would it? Yeah. I don't think so. Now, that doesn't mean you can prove it. It's not provable. Um, yeah, but the systemic racism is sort of pervasive. It's in the cracks. It's yeah. everywhere, and it involves everybody. And I think what I learned partly from doing the film is that, you know, I can play a more of an active role fighting this than I thought, because this story has involves a, a, a kind of, if we passively allow people to behave that way on the street, then, you know, we're contributing to it, you know, by not standing up against cops and not, you know, going out of our way. If we see something, take out the cell phone, go up to an officer, just be brave, you know. Otherwise, you know, we're just in denial. That happens to other people, you know, and that's not a way to change things. It's, um, it's an extraordinary film. We really get to know Sandy Bland really well in this. We get to know everything about what happened to her and with the stop and in the jail and... For people who have been following this stuff, this is a really important part of the canon of what we are reading and watching to try to understand what is going on in this Black Lives Matter era. So thank you so much for this film. Thanks so much to David and Kate for a great interview and thanks to you for listening. I hope a little bit of peace can someday come to Sandra Bland's family. I'm on Twitter at Torre and on Instagram at Torre Show. Please subscribe, rate, and review and tell your friends about the show. Torre Show is written by me, Torre, and produced by Chris Colbert and Tyrese Hester. 
with help from Candid Nicole and our photographer, Chuck Marcus. We'll be back next Wednesday with more knowledge from amazing folks because the man can't shut us down. Mm-hmm.